I think we're really getting the spirit back. Yeah. For Evangelion, because we've been sending each other a lot of like crazed walls of text. Of... Yeah. Oh, I think it's. I think it's <laughs> like we go, hey, on Friday maybe we can record a new episode, and then that puts the bug in. Yeah. And, and then it just sort of grows and festers. And the ideas start to come out. I mean, there's a bit of panic, like, oh, I'm going to sit down and uh, it'll probably be really tired. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what time is it? Yeah, yeah. It's almost 10 o'clock. Welcome so. to late night with... Uh... Can, we, can we do a whole episode without yawning? I drank two coffees already. You got one going. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to crack it. We're, we're being very strategic about our medicating here. Right. So I'm like a regular coffee, two, three cups a day, but... After three o'clock, I'm in trouble. I'm, I won't be able to sleep. <laughs> You're on a, a, a variety of uh, right. a, a real cocktail going through the, uh, the That's day. That's right. I do have a I have a beer going, so <laughs> we're in good shape. You have to regulate the depression <laughs> and the uh, the stimulation. Right when you feel your heart start to either <laughs> stall or uh, yeah, <laughs> so there may be a lull. There may be a lull at some point, a crash. But we'll see. We'll try to get through. Plugcast four. Plugcast four. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think we've really, we've really like started to fire up just like, you know, in between where we're saying each other uh, crazy theories we've come up with. Right. We're, we're actively reading. I mean, if I was uh-huh. a professor of Evangelion, <laughs> these would be students who have like turned a corner and are suddenly engaged. Right. Like, oh, suddenly taking an interest <laughs> right. in, in, the, in the coursework and like doing extra study. Yeah. It's like three f's and then <laughs> you start getting letters <laughs> yeah yeah for sure what do you think it is i don't know it's all because like sometimes a couple weeks go by and it's like oh I, I get off into other tangents i'm trying to get hooked on a new video game it's not really sticking well that's important yeah yeah and uh, life is fairly empty if you are yeah. between games i mean then you come back i mean the nice thing about avon you got 25 30 minute episodes they're very like uh consumable and and you can veg out and watch it so for sure and and you end up watching uh stuff you've seen a dozen (laughs) times before but picking up uh details that even uh 10 after 10 watches you're still finding this is the thing too is i have kind of written off in my mind a lot of episodes as slow episodes of this show indeed is there's action in my mind there's kind of action episodes and there's non-action episodes and that's not even true because usually in most of them there's a giant robot fight there's you know, <laughs> some kind of secret yeah. agent action backroom intrigue the second episode is one of those but we've been revisiting it over and over <laughs> again <laughs> and finding just crazy things yeah in it. uh these things just buried things we think uh we might be kind of first, you know, people to plant our flag in. Right. I wonder. So uh, last night, even I'm I'm cramming before the test, and <laughs> right, right. I'm I did watching that episode an hour two ago. again because hey, one thing we like to do we want to recap the episode, and we we sort of capped it in real time and probably pre-capped it. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna recap it just to really beat just to really beat the shit out of it. I mean, that's that's what we've got <laughs> right. going for us why, here. Why else do this? So <laughs> right. I'm watching it last night. I notice at uh, Dear Listener, you can, on Netflix, uh, fire up your Evangelion and go to 20 minutes and 50 seconds into the episode. We, we've been talking about this. Where is the plug? Where is 
where is Shinji sitting in Unit 01? Because we had about, because I, I, I just got done editing uh-huh. for the show uh, a couple days ago, and we have maybe 10 minutes of right <laughs> discussion where about is, this is he recording. In, they, they put the plug in through the neck. Is he sitting in the chest? Is he sitting in the head? And so I'm watching it last night, and it occurs to me, go to 20 minutes and 50 seconds. A second episode. Of the second again. episode. Yeah. Shinji is sitting in the head, and the way you can tell this is there's a, a brief shot that reveals that we're actually looking at the reflection of the Ava unit mm-hmm. in, like, a glass building. We've when, got it up on the screen We've here. got it up on the screen here. Yeah. And why don't I just play through it? I don't know if, if, dear listener, I don't know if you can hear this. Yeah, your level of engagement may vary here. Right. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going to watch it in real time again. You know, it's only on screen for a few seconds, but you see the legs of the Ava unit. And my my kids are watching uh, Netflix in the other room, so we're, we're buffering a little bit. But here we go. Pilot's vitals confirmed. So it goes from a blackout to he can see through the screen again. The mask falls off the Ava. And for just a second here, I'm going to pause. At 21 minutes even, the mask is on the ground. Behind the mask are the legs and... You, you can see here that we're actually looking at the reflection of the Ava unit. It's in one of the giant buildings paneled with reflective metal. Shinji looks to his right, and we get this weird eye open, eye opening of the Ava unit. Oh, God. And <laughs> Shinji is, makes eye contact. With those results. So good. So good. Oh, my God. Shinji is sitting in the head of that Ava. He's looking at his reflection in a way, and his reflection is that Ava. Right. They make eye contact in the reflection oh, of I that building. Oh, I just got it. I finally just got it. Right, right. Because he's looking right at the building. Yeah, yeah. And that's because he can, it's like a one-way one way mirror. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're out, looking at the perp but he in the interrogation room. In the exactly. reflection. Yeah. That's insane. So he's look. It's making eye contact with himself. We know this isn't uh, an accident, <laughs> obviously. So uh, what better way to show there is like a a real connection? You know, Shinji and the Ava are not just like randomly they've come together. There's some real connection here. And dear listener, <laughs> without spoiling things, <laughs> we're <laughs> we're gonna find out uh, what that connection is. Down the road. I actually um, got chills a moment ago. <laughs> like my face is flushing. And I'm wearing like a jacket. And I'm, I'm now taking, I'm, just to illustrate for people at home, I'm taking my jacket off because I'm breaking a sweat. It's crazy. I mean, I've, I've watched, <laughs> we've talked about this already. Like we watched it, that fight so many times and the fight is so intense that a lot of what, what goes on right at the end there is just more icing on the cake. It's just more craziness they're throwing at you. So you, it's easy to kind of gloss over that series of shots. Shinji scream, you're panting, <laughs> goes to bed, he curls up in a fetal position. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And maybe that's it. I, I don't believe that we are the first people ever to notice that's a reflection. That, that yeah, it's from guy on his... But, you know, but how is like, it that oh, we've somehow missed that detail? I mean, we've crawled, <laughs> we've crawled the forums, uh, Mike more than myself, but, you know, Ava Geeks, have we ever read that on Ava Geeks? Oh, it's just such a cool shot, and it's so uh, symbolic. 
it, it works. Or maybe it's so obvious that nobody talks about it. <laughs> maybe we're we just missed it. Yeah, we consider ourselves real cinephiles here in real life. <laughs> I know. So again, if you're in, if you're an Ava geek regular and you're laughing at us now, laugh at us in the comments. We want comments. We don't get comments. So here's a thunk. Here's a thinker. When Shinji looks at Unit O One, mm-hmm. it does look back at him. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it, for sure. It knows he's looking at it. Oh, well, yeah. where is it looking? Yeah. What is? <laughs> Does it know it's – can it see Shinji? Because Shinji's in like this capsule that's full of – Shinji's like in a capsule with technology that allows it, uh-huh. him to see outside. But they have a connection. They have a mind-body connection. They have right, a, a right. mind-mind connection. Didn't the, that those switches all disconnect right before? Right. Well, because well, so he was unconscious. But Is, is that the <laughs> layer of technology that Nerve is counting on for – the pilots to run their 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 giant fighting machines, but then the reality is, as we see when the, when it goes berserk, right? There's so much more to it than that. Like it doesn't it doesn't need the tech. Like it has it has this mind soul mind being you know extra dimensional whatever's going on connection. Uh wow! And then it does that like uh, quick flashing back and forth in his eye. Yeah, Ava's yeah. Eye, his eye, Ava's eye, his eye. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's strongly implied they are looking at each other. It's <laughs> very good. Uh, it makes me want to go and, and rewatch from episode one again. I mean, what did I miss being generally inebriated when I watched this show? Uh, there could be any number of things. And then speaking of texting back and forth, you sent me a text as well. Yeah, and sort of a wall of text. Yeah, that's my <laughs> that's more of my want. I'm a little famous for this at, at my hospital, actually. You know, we <laughs> we like to collegial as pharmacists. You know, we send each other clinical pointers, interesting articles we just read. You know, maybe like, oh, hey, here's an interesting way to do this or whatnot. But when you get a uh, email from Michael, it's always like two pages. <laughs> <laughs> I like, it too. Yeah. My thoughts, you know, right. it becomes an emotional appeal. Right. Get too far into it. No, I think I think I've learned like I when I'm emailing with people, I want the details. And so when I email two people, mm. I just give them the details. Like mm-hmm. even though I know they're not reading it. I know it. And I know that it's become too much when I circle back to the beginning and start adding like TLDRs onto it and then like I'll end up adding a warning. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I know this is long. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a problem I have. I so, can't help it. So your wall of text gets into an idea that the Avas are using our physics, uh, yeah. musculature in our world. Uh, they don't rely. This is where I kind of lost you. In the yeah, world. and I was like capping <laughs> away. I'm a very slow texter, so this probably took me 10 minutes to write. <laughs> yeah. It's an impressive text. It's long. Maybe I should screen cap it. And we'll... I, I'm kind of afraid of it a little bit too. I mean, just because we we had we had a discussion right before going going live here about our stance on on spoilers. I think we're kind of, we're starting to kind of like push at the seams, maybe because of the pace of our podcast or yeah. feeling some of the limits of not just going ahead and just like spoiling the whole show. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm not a hundred percent there yet but well so our default stance has been 
feel free to talk about the episode at hand. Talk about the big picture. Right. But let the show do its own spoilers. Like, it's more fun if the show reveals stuff. Right. But then sometimes when you're talking about a topic, the coolest part about it won't come up until, like, ten episodes later. And so you're like, ah, well, let's talk about this other (laughs) thing instead. So it's a little frustrating, but... I think, and maybe we can get back to this later, but I think it's that idea that um, even the show does that. Uh, you'll have scenes of, of almost like the boring scene that you know the viewer is maybe tuning out a little bit, but they're just telling you the answers of what's going on in this world. Well, that's another thing we've been reveling <laughs> in um, just just in the last half hour, getting getting set up here, watching little little bits of this episode that again i thought like well this is one of the slow ones you know they gave you plenty in the first episode they can do a little work here right. for this episode well, um, and, the, and the big payoff is just the actual battle so maybe they give you a bunch of boring you know boring clap old trap. Men, like <laughs> clap trap. it seems irrelevant but the payoff is so worth it that uh, viewers go mm. home uh, that Saturday morning, they go to lunch going, wow, that was great, even though I, I zoned out for like 20 minutes. I've heard this show. My mother says I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're hiding the show in plain sight, though. Right. They, speaking of spoilers, they are just telling you, for instance, in that meeting in episode two that Zayla has with Gendo, and they're kind of pulling him on the carpet about <laughs> this this fight, which had very like minimal amount of damage compared with what's to come later in the show. Right. Right. But they're, 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 they're talking through all this uh, mumbo jumbo and all this like, you know, boring boardroom meeting stuff. That's one way to take it. The other way is they're just describing the entire operation of nerve and the kind of the real flow of the show. You're going to see all of this stuff come back and they're going to be big plot points and they're going to drive even like the end of the, of the series, the end of the storyline is kind of driven by the tensions in that room at that moment. Right, right. It's it's dull because, as you said a little a little earlier before we went live, it's dull because you don't you don't know any of this stuff yet. You can't <laughs> yeah. understand it. Like the twelfth viewing of the series, <laughs> and maybe I mean maybe that's the maybe that's the whole the gift of Neon Genesis, the way it pays uh, dividends, the gift that keeps on giving that pays off. Viewing after viewing. It's so well designed, the show. The 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 plot. It's 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 a clockwork plot. It feels like he was a genius, right? right. I mean it just feels like a work of genius. So many elements of the show. And I mean this is this is drifting away from topic or you know, we probably don't want to <laughs> Hey, who's kidding? We've never not wanted to spend too much time on anything. But uh like from my perspective, the rebuild film's a little frustrating. This show is so well put together that the rebuild seems to not have that, that level of thought. Yeah. There's an awful lot of cool for cool's sake kind yeah, of going yeah. on in the rebuild films. Like, oh, this would be a weird plot twist. Let's just do that. But he doesn't have the the time or make the energy yeah. to back up that stuff. It's There's some cool twists in the first couple of movies, but then some of the second movie and the whole third movie which is where we're at right now, three out of maybe four. Yeah. I guess they're almost done with the fourth. Yeah. But the third one super goes off the rails. And like, <laughs> it's not elegant. Well, I wonder though, because <laughs> I, I, I am definitely not as well versed in the movies as I am the episodes of the show. So maybe with more study, there's detail buried in there that, that we've missed. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, I like them. I like the first two. Yeah, I um, like them a lot. Especially the second one. I, I love some of the twists. I mean, I was I was a little tearful in the uh, theater. I went I went down and saw it uh, the second one um, in San Francisco at Japan Fest. Oh yeah, down there. I, I flew down to watch it, and it was kind of like big American release. I think it was the first time it was shown in the states, and then they flew it over to New York. Oh. For an anime festival there, like the next weekend, definitely a high watermark in my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I walked out of there very pleased. Third one, not as much. <laughs> I don't actually even remember the third one. Um, no. I mean, it was another late night and after a few beers and whatnot. So, yeah. oh, anyway. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome to Neon Podcast Evangelion. This is, uh, this is, I mean, we talked about it being astonishing that we got a third episode out. This is, what, a week and a half after we recorded? It's, it's, a short, it's a short interval, but we're back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing, we like to do a, like a piece of music. And for the first three episodes, we've been doing... Um, Evangelion music, but uh, I had a revelation today. Um, uh, that's obviously not Evangelion, that's Radiohead. The song is Airbag, but I challenge you, dear listener, go and find the lyrics to Airbag and tell me that it's not about Evangelion. I think I pulled them up earlier, but <laughs> yeah, how did you? Um, I mean, they're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> they map over pretty well. Did you have anything in particular? So um, this is really like literally in the last two hours. <laughs> um, there, there's a local radio station here in Seattle called KEXP. They were doing uh, over the last week or so, um, they were doing their top 666 albums of all time. <laughs> that, that, gives me, that gives me hope for our uh, podcast. So, And I don't know why they chose 666. <laughs> so there's a whole theme going on. I wasn't really paying attention, but. But anyway, they've counted down. The number five album was uh, Beatles, Abbey Road. The number four was David Bowie's. Uh, these are all um, listeners of KEXP. You can you can stream them worldwide. I'm giving KEXP a shout out and some free advertising. All that big KEXP money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, you can stream it worldwide. But they're doing a fundraiser and also this. I'm getting off the rails. Uh, number five was Beatles <laughs> yeah, Abbey Road. Number four. We've just passed 10 p.m. Yeah. Uh, for the folks at <laughs> home here. So number four <laughs> was David Bowie, um, Ziggy Stardust, and Spiders from Mars. Number three, mm. can you guess what number three might have been? The White Album. It's KEXP, so it was uh, it was The Clash. Ah, uh, they love The Clash on KEXP. Uh, number two. Can't swing a cat. You know what? I, uh, uh, I'm doing this wrong because. I think I started at six because, no, now I'm off. Anyway, <laughs> long, long way here? around, uh, long way around, uh, the Clash is in there, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon is in there, oh. and then number one was OK Computer by Radiohead. Mm. And so I'm listening to this track, uh, Airbag, and the lyrics, it's, uh, I mean, I've got Evangelion on the brain. 
But could it be that Tom York is a fan of Evangelion? The lyrics are, they're right out of Evangelion. The first verse, it goes, In the next world war, in a jackknifed juggernaut, I am born again. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, it, gets, it gets better. I'm, I'm reading ahead here now. Yeah, yeah. In a neon sign scrolling up and down. Come on, neon. <laughs> I am born again. And then, and then, of course, the chorus. In an interstellar burst, I'm back to save the universe. Clearly uh, anime tropes there. Like. Oh, my God. And then verse two, even more. In a deep, deep sleep. Oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. In a deep, deep yeah. sleep yeah. of the innocent, I am born again. Yeah, this is Asuka. Yeah, and then yeah. in a fast German car, I'm amazed <laughs> that I survived. An airbag saved my life. What? That's like episode one. Yeah, it's it's line <laughs> by line. Okay, so I think we can add to the canon that Tom York of Radiohead <laughs> was inspired by uh, Evangelion. I have not researched this at all, and I have I think no. You, I think you 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 have the facts in front of you, right? I know it's obvious like, to be right. Right. Come on, a jackknife juggernaut. Come on. We're we're <laughs> in the lane to make a lot of very powerful friends with this That's podcast. True. It's very true. They're going to come out of the woodwork. <laughs> I didn't know anybody else was yeah. passionate about this show as I am, Tom York says. Yeah. So anyway, Tom York, <laughs> if you're listening, I'm sure he's listening because uh, clearly as an otaku, he's devouring all Evangelion content and he must have come across his podcast. Tom York, if you're listening, hey, drop a little note in the, con- in the uh, comments. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, it might be time for our perennial plug. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, hey, we'd be happy to interview you on our show. Come over to my house. I have beer on tap in my garage. We will read comments made by even oh, yeah. celebrities. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. most celebrities. Most celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> Certain people. Who, well, who, who would we welcome. not read? Who would we definitely not read? Uh, Adam Sandler. I don't know. Not impressed yet. I don't so much care. I heard his new movie is really good, though. But they had like eight or nine words in the title of the film, Always a Sign of Quality, yeah. released on Netflix. Yeah. It's the Meyerowitz Stories, new and uh, No, there's like collected. a, there's like a gen, good. there's a new one where he's like a a jewel, a jewel dealer or something. It's getting rave reviews. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. <laughs> Not that I have anything against Adam Sandler. I just don't think that he is an otaku. <laughs> any, I bet he doesn't. Yeah, know he's more. Elements. He's more on the like the right side of the left. So Adam Sandler, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Don't put comments on our webpage. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, yeah, we're gonna name a new celebrity every <laughs> every plugcast. But please, Tom York. Yes, please. Yeah, I know um, you're listening. You're clearly a fan. Okay. So with, okay, so we talked about Radiohead. Okay, we'll link. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll put a link on the website to uh, Radiohead. Okay, you did and give me a you gave me a segue that I I completely bossed this <laughs> there uh, mentioning canonicity. Canonicity, there you go. Because we were we were talking about this, um, and I think it'll it'll probably help with the next couple of topics. Actually, we could we could formalize it because we we have you know this kind of blueprint that we. That we, we go to to give us some that's true that's some very true. semblance of structure the, to our uh, the life raft so we can glance down yeah. um, a skeleton <laughs> desperately and see what we're meant to be talking about right anyway one of, one of those bits is Evangelion in the news okay and <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to 
give the impression that this is at all a vital topic. Right. You know, that we're... I mean, because there's nothing else going on in the news right now. Yeah, but, when I walked uh, in, Steve, uh, you, did, you did not mention, you know, our topic today uh, for the show is geopolitics. And of yeah, course, and what sucks is you can't even get to the Evangelion news. There's all this other crap. <laughs> like, I know, blocking clog- up the news Blocking up the news cycle, you know. Uh, Getting in the way. So, I mean, come on, you know, we got to rise above the noise and get and get at that Evangelion. So, Stick so to what, what matters. So what is, what is uh, new? Well, and so it's so we we have a couple of articles that are actually recently released or recorded. Interesting stuff. Oh, should we say what the date is, just in case if this is the future and someone's crawling through the archives? <laughs> well, of course, this is going to drop and everyone's going to download it immediately. Oh, I know. So, <laughs> but I mean, it, but if you're late to the party, yeah, uh, it's September twenty seventh. September twenty seventh, the fourth plugcast of Neon podcast yeah evangelion and the the you can almost say in as many months in as as <laughs> true. our first one came out in like july august right no. like june <laughs> okay we were recorded so you're right it wasn't august because well, we were i can i can check so it's not we're not too oh, embarrassing nice, in yeah. our yeah i've got all the tech up here in front of us now i'm getting organized so plugcast one two months ago it says it was posted Oh, that's right. It was two months, but uh, how quickly? Uh, July fifteenth. Oh yeah. Was, well, yeah, we could have recorded it anytime <laughs> several yeah. weeks before that. Well, and then getting my act together. And that was like the the second try too. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so we yeah. If you can imagine a episode that we listened to and we decided it wasn't good enough. Yeah, but it's <laughs> out there, you guys, and someday. Oh Someday, yeah. Someday maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a like a high tier of subscriber. What was bad about it though? I think we just were disorganized. Yeah. I think that was the main so, complaint. But I mean, what's how's that different? <laughs> I know. I know. On? It's probably maybe our the one we redid was quite good, and now by this point we're just flailing and, around. And again. we're we're fi- we're figuring out audio quality, and and actually t- new development tonight. Mike was yeah. was. Uh, we might invest in equipment. Right. We might spend money on might, this. A couple of microphones. We're going to quickly go into the red. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. The We're, green is that's not That's true. Because we, we have to pay, we have to pay uh, web hosting fees, which, of course, Mike has been covering. I, I've been a deadbeat, uh, deadbeat dad and not <laughs> The not father of the body. Right, right. You're but, you're um, you're spending uh, too much effort on your your real life. Rodney. Yeah, not really. No, I'm just cheap and uh, lazy. It's a combination of, of like yeah. How, there's a lot of texts that like to oh open, go ahead and do that. Yeah, you have to open Venmo and you have to like punch in how much money. Like, oh, should I subscribe to all these? Oh, this looks like a good one. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It's yeah. the text I get. I've made a pledge that I'm going to contribute. Uh, and I'm willing to put in, you know, a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks. Let's get some microphones. So by episode, say five or six, maybe this could be a, like a world class yeah. <laughs> caliber <laughs> podcast. I, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> you know, we've come so far. Yeah, we have to change our whole our That's whole true. theme from one of like uh, <laughs> a mild disgust at our own work to. <laughs> disappointment that our efforts don't pay off yeah yeah <laughs> it's not gonna pay off I mean, i'm having i'm having a good time and that's that's like 
the first part. And then if, if Tom York gives us a call or an email and wants to come on, that will be like a, an indi- indicator that we've <laughs> made it to some tier. If we can only please one Tom York, <laughs> yeah, that makes it worthwhile. It would be crazy to have Tom York in my rec room recording an episode. We'd have to invest in a microphone. I mean, that microphone. seems to be where we're headed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might have some things to say. Let's. I mean, hopefully he gives us enough heads up that we can uh, put in for a third mic. He might just want to listen. Yeah, that's he true. He might just want to sit in and he would be like mouthing along. We could put him us. on the ambient mic. So he, because he sounds good. You'd hear uh, him off mic say, "Hey, remember when you guys talked about? <laughs> could you just talk for twenty minutes about this again?" Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's a huge fan, and he just wants us to recreate that experience uh, in a live setting. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Well, then you look over, and he's like on his phone, and he's playing on his phone, and you're like, "Ooh, I better punch it up." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's into, honestly. How do you? Or, I, I mean, we know we know that he likes uh, Evangelion. Um, I'm stating it as fact, uh, with zero research and mm-hmm. only, only deciphering lyrics, but, but how can it not be? <laughs> can I, again, the segue off of Radiohead yeah. is so, a challenge. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. So conceptually, uh, it might help to create a full sentence that states that <laughs> There's a concept uh, in Evangelion fandom called Tears of Canonicity. Uh-huh. This was invented, as near as I understand it, kind of full cloth by a super fan uh, who frequents uh, Ava Geeks, uh-huh. the kind of like the big Wikipedia. Are we uh, are we calling out? Are we calling out Ava Geek members by their name? Um, I would. I yeah. I thought about that. <laughs> what I should do well, the yeah. work to cite him. Which would probably be the appropriate thing to do here. Is there a chance that we're assuming it's a guy too? Uh, <laughs> I was using, yeah, yeah. Pronouns are really big in 2019. Yeah, uh, oh, we're again, meant to again, pay the date, September 27th, 2019. Yeah, know that I have respect, and I, if I, I'm only doing it out of habit, and I don't know the correct pronoun. Right, we're actually we're actually the ugly like old white men at right. this point. Yeah, we're not yeah. boomers though. No, we're, we're more Gen X. We're something worse, yeah. something that came after. Well, the one that everyone forgets about, but the forgotten generation. Yeah. <laughs> so I support the use of correct pronouns. Do we call out the names of people we cite from Ava Geeks as a as a courtesy or even as a like a, <laughs> a, hand, like a sort piece of a virtual reality? Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this last time around. <laughs> it would make the most sense if we were already familiar. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't know who anybody is. I don't really spend much time, any time right. on Ava. It would probably strengthen our material substantially if we were, you know, for instance, in the scientific realm, it's important to do your background when you have an idea for a project. Like, oh, what has come before? <laughs> How can I review, you know, the current state of knowledge before I go to add on to it? Right, right. On the shoulders of giants. So you're not rehashing uh, what's already been covered. Like, right. like perhaps a reflection of an Evangelion <laughs> in a building, which now seems pretty obvious to me. But Like, I bet you go to the episode two page on <laughs> the Geeks, and it's like yeah, a one-sentence mention. In bold text. Uh, Isn't this interesting? Yeah, yeah. Neat point, and then references to several films where you can <laughs> yeah. see similar similar shots. But 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 as we stated early on, this podcast is about helping people who don't do that shit. So, um, right, that's true. Okay, yeah, so we can we're, refocus. Okay. We're on brand by 
So I guess bring to, bring me your ignorance. So I guess to that we maybe don't have to cite anyone. I think it'd be nice, but I yeah. don't know. I don't maybe know who if he we is. really like maybe if we see a name come up a lot, yeah. we'll be reference Ava Geese. I mean I could I could type Tears of Canonicity. In fact, okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm going to into the search function. Look, see it oh, comes yeah, it up. Even as comes a, up yeah. in the drop down search. I think we're 15, 10, 15 minutes into this topic now, and uh, oh, <laughs> I haven't gone to explain or even clearly say this term. Tears of canonicity. So I saw this in your in your strategizing list. I don't know what it means. So what is what are the tears of canonicity? I kind of uh, regurgitated this earlier, but I'll I'll read it straight off the screen here, uh, Ava okay. Geeks. One of the difficulties in analyzing Neon Genesis Evangelion is the large number of secondary sources, some of which seem to be contradictory. Just how does one determine what is and is not canon? Uh, a very handy rule of thumb was invented for this purpose by Shinseiki. Shinseiki. Shinseiki, there's our man. Or lady. A frequent poster <laughs> at the Anime Nation and Ava Monkey forums. So oh, okay. these are, as I understand it, forums there are like two or you know there are two or three forums and those were other ones i think ava geeks maybe won the war on that one and it's still existent yeah i I used to be on um, amateur electronic musician forums and there were like two competing forums so Mm. i I get it yeah that's that's common i think really the town of evangelion is only big enough to support one (laughs) one wiki at this point but but clearly dozens of podcasts (laughs) so right right yeah Please stay. Uh, <laughs> this tool, this tool is known as uh, Shinseki's. Already forgot pronunciation, of course. Shinseki's uh, Tears of Canonicity, and is a proven system, both simple and effective, ah. for resolving contradictory statements among various sources. So then it goes on to have five kind of levels of okay. canonicity. Uh, level one is like the facts as presented when you're watching the show. Okay. The character says this on the screen. Hopefully you can you can um, understand Japanese <laughs> and that's that. We, we've discussed before that like there's various translations even and we're getting a translation of the original Japanese. But so that's like that would be level one. Like level two, it says statements by the show's creators, principally uh, Ano, uh, Hideki Ano, and then thing. Then you go to three, four, five. The manga is like level four, which is interesting to me because that's sort of like the rebuild. Or sort of like you brought up before we went live, books about Star Wars that tell a different story than okay. the main continuity. Those are like different universes. So the manga kind of. came after the series had wrapped. Interestingly, the manga, the first couple of books came out before the show was released to popularize the show, get people psyched up. Oh, okay. They did maybe like the first five or so episodes plus or minus three (laughs) of manga and then it went on hiatus for years oh i see and then as the show is over and then um sadamoto who's the character designer kind of the number two on the show he returned to it later i see it's a lot like miyazaki's um uh you know studio ghibli it's a lot like his nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Right. Okay. Like he wrote he wrote a little bit of it and then got the movie made and then he returned later in his career and kind of finished it out. Because when I was really hot on Evangelion, the manga still had like its last book to come out. And so I'd, I'd read the manga up to that point 
And then, like, I was waiting in anticipation. <laughs> and then, like, six months later, it came out. And I got to, like, read it right when the last one came oh. out. It's really cool. If the manga, the, the manga that came out after the series wrapped, did it follow the series closely? Or did he start break, uh, breaking and bending the story like, like the rebuilds? It's pretty close. Okay. It's not... It's not mapped directly. It's not as crazy as the rebuilds. Even the first like two movies uh-huh. vary more than the manga. It's in a lot of ways it's it's more like scenes you didn't see, relationships that are a little more developed. I see. Some of the like the kind of the main trio of, of pilots, mm-hmm. their relationships are a bit different. So it's not the show's story. Right. But it's close. Okay. It it it's it's great in a lot of ways, and so that's why in the tiers of canonicity, uh, that's down here at number four. And they say at best it can be used to support the anime when they're in explicit agreement. It should never be used to contradict the anime, right? Because that wouldn't make sense. So, like I was saying, <laughs> uh, when we were kids, the Star Wars movies came out. We got Return of the Jedi, and then nothing. And then every kid I knew was always like, oh, you know, they might do prequels someday because there's these three other books. And, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's hungering for the Star Wars content. George Lucas starts to authorize the writing of Timothy Zahn to pick up all these stories that happen post-Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But now we've got uh, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, or uh, I'm totally forgetting, forgetting the names. So are you talking uh, about the prequels? The, I'm talking about no. I'm talking about the most recent Star Wars movies. The, the, uh, the Force Awakens with Rey. The Rise then, of the uh, Jedi. <laughs> oh, I'm such a big fan. I can't remember. You that. are a huge fan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we chalk it up to the lateness of the hour. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. My point is, are Timothy Zahn's novels no longer canon? Because I thought they were canon. Right. Well, they probably were right. at the time. Yeah. But now it's. Well, you can think it's, I mean, in my mind, it's like a fork in the story or the universe, right? No, alternate universe, however you make it in your mind. Right, right. Uh, when I first saw the rebuild, I had these theories because I think I was giving it a lot of credit because the first two are really, I enjoy them a lot, really good. Maybe the fourth one's just going to be awesome. But I had these <laughs> I had these theories of like, wow, are they doing some kind of alternate universe thing? And it's going to like come wrapped back around into the main series right. because there were fork points. Now I'm not so sure about it at all, but there were fork points in the plot of the rebuild. Like, wow, here's where something went different. Mm-hmm. Like it's so the first movie especially is so similar mm-hmm. to the first eight or so episodes of the show. And then the second movie, like it's similar at first and it forks a bit. And and has a great ending that's like just a shocker. I need to check on the kitchen. I hear my cat getting into something. Oh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> we can either pause or... Uh, oh, live radio, on. ladies and germs. <laughs> I did a bit in the last recording where Steve had to run off all of a sudden. And I did this uh, bit where I panicked and like, ooh, live radio, folks. Uh, so this is where the uh, remaining... Host is left staring down a silent sea of glowering faces. Bead of sweat runs down his brow, and he begins to panic. And then we cut away to the hero doing his heroic things. I'm back. And then I actually ended up cutting that whole thing out <laughs> because I did panic. 
and it wasn't it wasn't uh, funny, and it was just kind of sad. So, <laughs> oh. but we're gonna talk about editing later, right? Uh, I mean, maybe we'll leave this part in. I don't know. What was happening think, was my cat climbs on top of the cabinets, four inch space between the top of the cabinets and the ceiling. What? That he's sounds, still trying to do it. He's, that sounds he's, now troubling. he's trying to open the cabinets. So I think what they want is they want to be fed. So we were talking about Tears of Canonicity. And so so anyway, that's that's useful for this show because so much of it is, is buried in various tears of canonicity. How, how to believe something that comes up in the manga or something that gets mentioned by, you know, staffers from the production company that worked on some other project, like a video game or... <laughs> Uh, So is that the fifth one? Uh, Statements made by those responsible for adapting Evangelion for release outside of Japan. (laughs) In the English-speaking world, this would be representatives of ADV or manga entertainment. Yeah, that seems pretty low. I think, well, they have number two is statements made by the show's creator. Oh, okay. So that's that's pretty high up. So when looking you right in the eye and saying, no, this is what's going on, that's probably not as good as what they actually presented that kind of death of the author discussion from the first plug cast we did, but um, it's also probably valuable. And then you were saying something about the PlayStation uh, manual. Uh, the, the, there was a video game that has the keys to most of the plot on the kind of broadest scale of this great mystery that we call Evangelion. Mm-hmm. And it is, like just recorded in this video game that I've never heard of that may or may not have only been released in Japan uh, as just like a series of things in the manual where like, oh, this is where this comes from. This is what this means. This is. And it's this stuff that doesn't even get mentioned in the show, <laughs> but it ties the whole thing together. And it's sort of the show we're always trying to solve like, oh, why is all these things happening? What does all this mean? Oh, well, here it is. Like, here's the kind of like practical explanation. You know what it's like because Star Wars is on my mind. As a non-fan, I can imagine people, I can feel people's frustrations when they came out that the force was just like a <laughs> chemical reaction that some people had in their metabolism. The, mid, the midi-chlorians, they were like yeah. uh, like the Krebs cycle. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes force power. And, yeah. yeah, and that was in the prequels. And I mean, I know when that happened, me and all my friends were like, what? <laughs> Come on, what? Like Yoda never did a blood test on Luke. <laughs> to see how much force he had but you know it's just like the mitochondria in your cells produces force what so it's, it's a little <laughs> bit like that ex- except for it's actually useful and almost invaluable for understanding the show and right. it has the feeling of stuff that they would have gotten to you know if they had 10 15 30 more episodes can you get that that manual online somewhere yeah it must be somewhere where it's published yeah i've seen i've seen screenshots of it it's it's like a well-known thing in in evangelian world it's so funny though i mean do video games even come with manuals anymore (laughs) yeah and it's uh, (laughs) i mean i think it's almost like this it's almost like blasphemous Mm -hmm. i think is the feeling about it because it should be you know if if you're a super fan of the show it's these ideas that are kind of holy and there's this understanding that comes from that's kind of holy you know, close watching and thinking about it and doing your research and all this stuff. And then you've got this just like video game that they, they work with the, the staff of the show. And so it has that legitimacy. They just 
interviewed them about, okay, so what's really going on in the show? Oh, let's just put a, put a key down for everybody who plays the video game. They won't have to guess. And they use a lot of those file elements for the game. It's like, Oh, I get. So the idea was like, you might be playing the game and have never seen the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's, (laughs) Oh, you're, here's some new Evangelians and Oh, you're fighting these things that never came up in the show, but right. You know, we better tell you what they are. I want to play that game. And it all works is the thing. Like, like I said, it all, like, it's very important for understanding the show, but in terms of like canonicity, like it all, it all makes sense. But like, should we say, no, what? We don't have to believe any of that. Like, let's just use what's in the show and, you know, make up our own stuff. (laughs) Where does Radiohead's airbag fit? In the can, the tiers oh, of canonicity. Well, let's put it to the test. It is a proven tool. It does say it's proven. <laughs> so it's not in the anime itself. No, it's definitely not. It's not from the show's creator, as far as we know. Mm. No, he didn't directly interface with. Uh, it's possible he likes Radiohead. I mean, Radiohead was around. So we'll put a flag on that one. <laughs> it might be second tier. He has not said what kind of. Um, well, we haven't heard what music he's into. Has he said? Uh, Hideki Anno. Yeah. It's hard to believe he enjoys music. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know that he is a big fan of at least some American classical music. Right. Late in the, oh. late in the show, he kind of uh, lionizes. And Shinji, this is a spoiler, Shinji's listening to uh, a piece of music. I think it's Beethoven. Um, very late. And it ties into the story. It's after... Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe maybe Asuka has oh is it Wagner maybe it's Wagner I don't remember now we'll have to go back and we'll it's, get to it but get, yeah the lateness of the hour <laughs> prevents me from thinking of this let's not waste I mean, that content beautiful, on this episode beautiful <laughs> piece okay wait, wait uh, number three is official supplemental sources it's not official no, okay it's not it uh, four is the manga. It's not, not five, four. five is statements made by those responsible for adapting Avon Kelly for release outside of Japan. Ooh. Yeah. So. The best we have is two. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> statements made by the that, That's quite a leap. It's a bit of a leap. So it's perhaps non-canonical. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> like it. I, I really think that maybe this tool doesn't, isn't like a great tool for answering every question. Yeah, it surely didn't hold up with uh, Tom York's material. Yeah, jackknifed juggernaut. I mean, come mm. on, that's like the perfect. That's like the perfect uh, two-word descriptor of a beat-up Ava unit. Yeah, look at that shot. It's, <laughs> that's what she looks like. Uh, I'm sticking with it. So there's a couple of <laughs> really interesting articles that were recently released um, that we passed around. Uh huh. Uh, I tweeted it out today on my Twitter. Um, I don't know if I'm at the point where I want to announce my Twitter handle on this podcast. <laughs> right, you don't know what kind of maniacs. But uh, it has uh, crossed my mind that I might try to get the infamous, or is it infamous, the much uh, ballyhooed uh, blue check mark on Twitter. Oh. Um, if you're an actual real person. You can get verified and get a blue check mark. It's like you're a real person according to Twitter. Right. You're not you're not like an anonymous dude. The problem though is my Twitter handle and my my handle and my at very anonymous. So uh, in fact my my Twitter account that had my name in it got banned. 
So right, after got permanently banned. A dust up you had with the celebrity. I did. Uh, <laughs> I had a sort of. Uh, um, we're getting off the rails here again, but I mean, that's what this is about, right? Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so, yeah, my original Twitter, the Steve Ayers, at uh, my at was the Steve Ayers, got permanently banned because I made a off color comment to Tommy Tommy Lauren. Um, she's a Fan she's of the a, podcast. She is a she's a big fan of ours. Um, really into anime. That's funny too, because she is like a white nationalist on Fox News, and the white nationalists love anime for some reason. Right. A lot this, of them have the anime avatar. This is another like section of the pie. I'm probably our, our alienating fan, our the huge here. portion of our fan Yeah, because these guys are listening. Them, and they're like. Hey, wait, hey. <laughs> they're experiencing some dissonance right now. It's like, wait, I'm I sorry, thought, I'm sorry. Trying to stay apolitical. I thought this was made for me. I'm sorry, I'm just joking. Tommy Lauren is not a white nationalist. She kind of is, though. <laughs> I mean, and actually, she'd be proud of it. But anyway, right. anyway. Is that even a slur? <laughs> I don't know. Is it to her? I don't know. But uh, anyway, I, I called her uh, a, a mean name, and I got permanently banned from Twitter. My the Steve Ayers account got banned. I started a new Twitter account. Well, you're very you're very positive on white nationalism in your new one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much. I mean, among all half Japanese dudes, I'm probably the most white nationalist of all of them. Right, right. Well, if you publish your Twitter handle, you're going to have to change the uh, the icon that you use. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of those are being made public now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not a white nationalist. Come on. Great. Now when I run for president, someone's going to dig. When I try to get on Saturday Night Live, someone's going to dig up this podcast. Oh, they take that stuff so oh, seriously. So, uh, that guy was a jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, wasn't able, I wasn't able to read that because of all the uh, politics in the way. Quite a bit, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there goes my Saturday Night Live career. So. <laughs> uh, so do we, do we want to? So we we do we want to post these these articles? Uh, there's an interesting uh, oh, right. discussion of kind of uh, Anno's, I mean his career essentially. This, this is a great article, yeah. And you're you dug it out of the ether, yeah, and texted it to me. Yeah, I kind of tagged it as this is this will be a great read. It's great. It's um, I, I wrote, have it here. I wrote his name. The, it's written by Aaron Stewart on. Um, some of the more savvy listeners uh, of our 65 listens that happen to our podcast. Do you, do you want to check live uh, how many listens we have? We can do it here. Oh, yeah. Who's listening uh, to episode three? <laughs> <laughs> ah, autoplay. Uh, okay, here we go. Now, at some point, that was actually Steve cutting into it. <laughs> I know you couldn't tell. I have like a, a pretty good false Listen, uh So we have seven plays in the last 21 days. One of those is mine. One of those is Steve's, and 20 of them were people who clicked on it thinking it was a biblical podcast <laughs> due to our icon. Yeah, yeah. So um, 99 plays in total. If, you, if, if you're here again, thank, welcome back. And oh yeah, we didn't do that. <laughs> this has been. Uh, I think this is about the most self, self. Uh, what do they call self? 
serving. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have an awful lot of pride in the air. Yeah. But this, so I think we're just putting on putting on airs. The airs putting on airs. Classic. Oh, it's a fun little play on words. There's there's seven plays so far of the third plugcast. Uh, but, uh, but we were okay. So we were saying Polygon uh, article, and we'll link it on our website. Yeah, got it. Um, it's called Neverending Evangelion, and it's written by Aaron Stewart on. And what I was going to say is, if if you're a savvy uh, film buff. You may recognize that name. Aaron Stewart on is actually the co-creator of the movie Mandy, which came out just uh, a few months ago, really. Which I haven't seen, but is is like it's, on the top of the list. That I have it, gives and me. we're if there's time after this, maybe we'll watch it tonight. It's bonkers. <laughs> it's uh, it's sort of a horror um, somewhere in the David Lynch um, realm. It's very like psychotronic horror oh, starring Nicolas Cage. It's very good. It's 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 bonkers though. It sounds like a great companion to the back, like the back third of Evangelion. It is, yeah. I mean it's like if it's like if David Lynch did a reboot of Evil Dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean these are bona fides here. That yeah, sounds amazing. So this guy also wrote this excellent uh kind of really like a, a deep dive into not just Evangelion but um, also, sort of the history of, of Hideki Anno's career and how he came to create Evangelion. It's a really good read. Highly recommend it. Um, we'll post a link on our website. Yeah, so that's really good. Um, we also had a, a nice interview with uh, the man himself. Here, let me find which, it on which, here. Uh, this is a good, very digestible seven and a half minute interview. And this is recent, right? Yeah, this is a year ago. That that article in Polygon was uh, was that was two months ago. Oh, so the Polygon is even more. Yeah. Uh, oh no, June three months ago. But yeah. So hey, we got our finger on the pulse here. Why don't we? Uh, I'll just briefly talk because I read through that article on Polygon. Mm -hmm. uh, it touches on some pretty good stuff. We got uh, early on Hideki Anno. He's like this big sort of awkward guy. Really loves drawing mecha. Uh, he's, they do this thing called Daikon 3, which is like, um, I, I didn't really check it out, but Daikon 3 is sort of a pop culture at the time, mm. uh, amalgam of all these sort of inspirations drawn from different, different corners of pop culture. So, um, they did Daikon 3. It was received really well at this, uh, film convention in Osaka. And then the following year, they, uh, because it was so successful, they did Daikon 4, and I'm probably sort of butchering the history, but this one even more so has all these pop culture references. It's got, uh, there's like stormtroopers from Star Wars in it. It looked like there's some Voltron in it. He's um, just taking everything awesome that he loves in, at his, the time. in his fandom and it's just like, let's just throw this all in. Right, Power Rangers. This is before mm -hmm. Power Rangers, I think, or maybe Power Rangers had just surfaced in the United States, but mm -hmm. had been around in Japan for a while. What else? I just scribbling stuff down. Doraemon, that little blue cat with mm -hmm. like the like the propeller hat. Does does the Doraemon cat have a? Doesn't he fly around? I don't know. I'm out of my depth here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, very good. You know. But but you know, we we get a picture of of what Hideki Anno was like at the beginning of his career. Like you know, in his early twenties, mm -hmm. getting kicked out of school and I like um, this. Uh, 
uh, Miyazaki hiring him to design the God Soldier at the end of Nausicaa, of the Valley of the Wind. I'd known about this beforehand. It was kind of like my my party fact that yeah, I bring yeah. up all the time about uh-huh. Studio Ghibli stuff and Evangelion have this crossover where this this god this god warrior, the god soldier, looks an awful lot like an Evangelion. It's because, of course, Anno um, designed the thing. They have this line here, despite Miyazaki's mockery of Anno's personal hygiene and obsessive hoarding of otaku goods, the two formed a mentorship that grew in a close relationship. Uh, like that, like the barefoot, yeah. like, like tall, yeah, because he was because he was also working on um, Macross space. Um, well, we know it as Robotech here, but in uh, Japan it was uh, uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross. There's this really great quote in the article too. Um, someone was asking, "Who is this strange, tall, often barefoot animator who had a habit <laughs> of talking loudly and excitedly to himself?" And the reply was, that's Anno. He worked on Daikon 3. He loves to draw Mecha. <laughs> Which is like such a great portrait of this guy. So, uh, of course, when he was like, you know, struggling to express himself and his, you know, his struggles with his art, like the vehicle for that would be Mecha. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. So the, the, the article is great. It gets into all these little aspects of his life and um, how he came to put together Evangelion, but what's even I think what was even more interesting is you can go watch, for example, he did a series called Gunbuster mm. before Evangelion, and I've watched three episodes now. I think it's I think there's only six. It's something where a lot of otaku really hold it, you know, dear in their heart. And and there's a quote in this article that you know, even talking about the last few frames of Gunbuster to some fans, their eyes start welling up. It's it's something that wow. uh, Hideki Ano he read the script and, and was moved to tears and decided to take this on. And what's what's interesting about it is um, there are some parallels with Evangelion. And without going into too much detail, one thing I noticed right away is the way the robots move in Gunbuster is very sort of human-like and not robotic-like. Mm-hmm. And there's even these scenes of like the, the robots like doing push-ups and pull-ups <laughs> and like working out. But then there's also this uh, plot element, which um, by episode two of Gunbuster, they get into this mechanic where they, they're, they're shooting off into space at light speed to go fight these aliens. But when they come back, there's this time dilation. So even though they've only been gone for a week, when they come back, like their friends have all aged decades. Oh, that's I just read. There's a famous uh, sci-fi work. I don't know if it came first, but it's the one that whenever you do that story, they always yeah. go back to. Man, I just read it. But it's, uh, it's interesting because yeah. it's, it's such a heady concept in like an anime that is such typical anime with like all the main characters are girls. They're definitely being exploited for their sexuality in a way like, you know, the, the, the uniforms they wear are these like high cut sort of swimsuit things, tight fitting. It's it's very typical uh, fan service, mm-hmm. um, something where, uh, again, that's a parallel to Evangelion where Hideki Anno is kind of, they put this stuff in there because it's expected, but maybe they hide some real depth underneath it. Like you said about like, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's hard on women, you know, and, you know, in these, in these, in these hard times, it, it reminds me of a lot of the kind of like the, the bros of sci-fi, yeah. <laughs> like, what you know like this is how it really is like, yeah so it's there's sort of like a hypocrisy or a, 
I mean, a lot of these things are problematic and it comes up, but they pay for it in a way with some quality, yeah, you know, uh, depth you can really chew on. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem it's gratuitous, but at the same time, it's like it's it's almost like a distraction. You can kind of tune it out in a way. <laughs> like we talked yeah. about uh, the concept of war. Right, yeah. Earlier, oh, sure. Or just like violence in general. Like, yeah, like violence in general is problematic. Yeah, <laughs> like, like not a fan. Like whenever you think like, whenever you think, like even remotely confrontational happens in my life, like I, you know, it ruins my day, yeah, right? But, you know, it's it's in, in the context of uh, of entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, that's what, that's right, what yeah, makes yeah. the that's clock run. That's where violence and guns yeah. belong is in movies and video games. Yeah, so you, I think that it is useful as a artistic viewer of things to be able to compartmentalize like oh i'm viewing i'm viewing bad stuff but that doesn't mean i'm bad right. or that <laughs> it is bad to view and complicated I think, subject though. and i think it's really fair uh, to point out hideki ano was making content for otaku because they're a huge part of his audience and you want to have a you want to have a, a property that's successful but he comes from a generation where there was no anime. Like, they grew up on sci-fi and fantasy. Otaku hadn't been created yet. Oh. So now they're serving fans what they want. We've got this sort of, or he has this, you know, very personal content that he wants to share. And to create that vehicle, it, it's almost like they talk about Gainax in, in this article. Again, they talk about in the beginning, Gainax was staying afloat by producing these pornographic video games. And uh, you can actually look on YouTube. There's a playthrough, and they're sort of like the if you ever played those like dating simulators. It's very text heavy with some cartoon pictures. Well, we got to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. This is how you pay the bills. It's not pretty, but yeah, uh, the overhead on making those is pretty low. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So uh, they're pretty funny, and and, uh, the the article here, um, Never Ending Evangelion has some links so you can watch some videos. So again, this is a great article. Definitely should check it out. Yeah, it, it says a lot of what we can't say <laughs> just through lack of knowledge. That's the other thing is this guy clearly uh, is a writer and much more eloquent than I could ever Oh yeah, be. things that we can't say just due to <laughs> poor command of the language. <laughs> He's a professional uh, English language uh, conveyor of thought, and I am not. <laughs> so we stumble along and we recommend the content that you should check out, and we'll have a link for you on the site. Well, that that was uh, that was the best of what we of what we had as far as uh, Evangelion in the news. And next on our show. Um, <laughs> So probably we could move on to the uh, the topic because, you know, <laughs> Fyland or other things we didn't do at the top of the show that we probably should have done. If we missed anything, we can do it on a next episode. So Oh, that's right. Yeah. There we have what, <laughs> like 60 of them planned out. Yeah. I mean, you basically have to just <laughs> wait until we get around to informing you of what we're up to at any given point. <laughs> But so this is, as an even-numbered episode, this is a, uh, a topic uh, plugcast as opposed to an episode plugcast. How are we, how we doing on format. time? Oh, I'm sure it's terrifying. Oh, we're hour yeah. 10. We're an hour. Okay. That's yeah. about right. That's, That's about the right, the half, 
the halfway point. The halfway point. Uh, hey, I'm sorry if you stumbled into this show without listening no. to the previous ones. What's funny is... Um, this is part, the halfway point. Uh, part of my research, <laughs> I'm going to say it because I'm going to draw this out even more. Um, <laughs> we were talking about one of our followers last time. Wait, do you think this is uh, this is like good material to play like to your dog when you're out of the house? It's <laughs> <laughs> just the sound of human voices. That's right. <laughs> You know, you can do that. Hey, push play and go to work and your cats can listen and we'll get we'll get the, 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 the click. The ticker will go up on our site if right. someone listened. And I don't care if it wasn't human. Yeah, we don't care if it's educational for your pets or not. We mentioned one of our followers was another podcast called uh, Cynic, Cynic Empowerment. Empowerment. I went and listened to some Cynic Empowerment. Maybe we don't get to it on this episode. But, uh, oh, we have plenty of time. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, because we can't tell when people actually click off. That's true. So, <laughs> give no feedback. To, that's absolutely to yeah. help us. It's, it's live for us here now, but whatever you're doing is up to you. Like, <laughs> uh, but so these guys, Cynic Empowerment, it's funny. They liked our, they, did they follow us or did they like uh, us? Well, they're not followers currently. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they like, one of them uh, somehow we maybe oh you know maybe they're one of those where oh here they are here they are they okay. like the second podcast okay so i'm not going to talk smack about them. well these guys have 2400 followers yeah do you think there's any overlap uh someone's gonna rap me out if i say bad things well not that i have anything bad to say i listened to i did not listen to a full episode but I listened to a good portion of two episodes. Oh, you did. You did your diligence there. Yeah. Well, I want yeah. to check it out because, um, yeah. you know, one thing is I don't listen to a lot of amateur podcasts. Not that these guys are amateurs. They use microphones, for example. <laughs> right. But, um, right. We have we, we could learn from them. <laughs> but so what I listened to is their most recent was like a it was sort of a they had some kind of an anniversary. You know, we've done we've been doing this for a year or something like that. And so I listened to that episode where they sort of recapped some of their first episodes. And then I went and listened to their very first episode. And uh, one thing that I found remarkable was they also didn't use microphones on their first episode. Ah, humble beginnings. Yes, exactly. So this is the way, and they're up to like episode 60, 70 something. Yeah. So, hey, something to look forward to. Oh, but the reason I got off on this tangent is we're an hour and 10 minutes in. And uh, most of Cynic Empowerment's episodes are about an hour. Yeah, I see all these tight hours. <laughs> so, 48 minutes. So maybe we... Uh, maybe what can you even say in 48 minutes? I don't know. Or, or maybe it's like we are delusions of grandeur. <laughs> just to stay on the Star Wars theme. Uh, nobody's listening to hour two of our podcast, are they? I mean, I did when I listened to it. I, I mean, I, I genuinely enjoy it, but that's... You know, that's not saying a lot. Yeah. As far as what anybody else would yeah. enjoy. That, that's what we're doing. We're doing it for uh, our own enjoyment anyway. So I, I don't think maybe we'll talk about I would like it maybe a chance to listen to that podcast a little more. Um, I took some quick notes. They. Oh, this is good, though. This is this is that learning we can do. Yeah. They they use some funny voices. They use some funny oh, okay. voices. We don't we haven't done. I mean, I did sing. Yeah, we sing occasionally. <laughs> but. But that's not a funny, that's just a bad scene. <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> they use sound effects. I wrote in my notes, I wrote zany sound effects. 
Netflix. Oh, okay. So yeah. we don't have that technology yeah. yet. And I bet they didn't either in the beginning. Right, right. So Unless they had one of those apps <laughs> on their phone. You can press yeah. it and the cow moves. And then, yeah. So, And I listened to their first episodes. They recorded it with a phone. So that's oh, similar wow. to what we're doing. We're recording with a with a laptop built-in speaker. Do they sound younger than we are? Oh. Because this the current generation's phone is to us like the laptop, you know, like analogically. <laughs> right. Like I was I, amazed at a laptop when I was a teenager. That's a good question. I would say they are younger but not by a lot. Okay. Like maybe like early 30s. Yeah, that's my guess. There's two guys, Jimmy and Tim. Their content is a little problematic, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a comedic effect. Um, but I won't get into it. Uh, they have uh, 15, they're following 1,500 people. I, I think that's sort of a strategy to get more followers. Okay. Also, what I was getting at earlier is maybe they followed us and they unfollowed us just to get us to follow back, but wow. they did not do that. So they have 59,000 likes. That's that's pretty good. These guys are they're really they're titans compared to us. To us. Did, did you did you enjoy the like the half half of each episode you listened to? Uh I mean this is this is crucial <laughs> because they have fifty nine thousand likes, which yeah. is the currency. I, I would and say we, that it's not it, it was it was kind of funny, but um not my not my style, I guess. Right. Uh, right. There there was and there was some things that I found. I found a little offensive and I like offensive comedy, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer in punching down, uh, punching up. You're a kind fellow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for all of our, for all of our, uh, aggrandizing right. and, uh, vague threats we make to, uh, corporations and, right. but I, see, I strive to punch up and, you know, I make, make jokes I also like the sort of self-deprecating, you know, we made jokes right. about pronouns. Right. Um, I don't think I'm punching down. I'm punching myself for not being able to come to, to learn the right pronouns. Right. Uh, and it, it's, yeah. So the comedy that, that I heard in the episode was about child slavery. Well, I think that that's <laughs> actually in your bio on our website. Oh, you're your right. It's on child slavery. But so, okay, you got me. You got me. Um, a topic near to your heart. Yeah. So, it's there's a fine line here. When you're joking about child slavery, there's a fine line. I joked about the fact that obviously I would never enslave a child or practice eugenics. Their comedy was about these camel uh, camel jockeys in um, the Middle East where they mm. human traffic children okay. to drive these camels for yeah. racing which is to their credit they were like this is a shocking thing that happens in the world and we're right. going to talk about it I don't know it's a it's I mean this is kind of a topic that I really enjoyed shock comedy I guess and where, I, yeah, so I can't point to a specific um, joke, but uh, yeah, that, it's very hard to draw the line. I guess what I'll say is yeah. kudos to them for taking that risk. I don't know, though, whether they pulled it off. And I didn't listen long enough to hear them pull it off. You know, here I, I mentioned child slavery mm -hmm. um, and we're taking 
we're taking that risk here. Yeah. Or I am, anyway, I'm taking yeah. the liberty. But, um, well, but there's, anyway. a, there's a thing that I, I notice in my uh, conversation that I do constantly, mm-hmm. you know, I think just in general not paying off for me, yeah. <laughs> where I I raise the stakes yeah. until <laughs> it gets weird, and then I feel badly about it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I'm not a professional comedian and don't make any money doing this. I don't know. I don't want to talk bad about another podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I should give them another listen before I really form a, a judgment. My initial impression, though, was that they were sort of punching sideways and not punching up. Yeah, they weren't they weren't hitting with their yeah. with their their punches, and it was and when that happens, it kind of comes off as yeah. But they were willing to take that risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough subject. I don't know that I would do it. But hey, go for it, guys. You, you're obviously doing something right. You've got 60,000 or so likes. So right. more power to you. And I'm going to go back and listen again. So hey, um, maybe I'll do a, a deeper dive into their podcast. <laughs> They're the one other podcast that liked our podcast. And uh, we thank you <laughs> for that like. I know. This Even is precious to us. Yeah, um, I don't want to talk bad about another podcast. You guys should keep it up, and you're clearly more successful than we are. Should we count that as our state of the podcast discussion, and you know, move along, and you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll save. We can we can save uh, technical advances for next time around. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so maybe we'll move on to the the topic. The topic. <laughs> Thirty minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> How much time we got left? I mean, we won't, we want to not go over. Uh, okay. So anyway, so so the idea here to kind of put our you know Evangelion hats back on here is to discuss the the world of the show, kind of getting away from kind of central like character driven plot uh, elements and kind of away from some of the kind of the, the cool the cool symbolism and kind of more of the the hotter stuff of the show and just kind of explore the world building a bit and, and whether that really has a lot of to do with really what the show is about. The, the good jumping off point for this is probably that discussion that we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast between Zele and uh, Gendo. Right. Where they're, they're talking about the, uh, the the work that's going to have to be done by these kind of world government leaders, and it's never like made a hundred percent clear. Are these like known public figures, or are they like a shadow government? Are they you know that and that's like that kind of conspiracy theory, uh, Illuminati kind of thing. That's always how I've kind of read it. Like these are mm-hmm. the 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 masters behind the scenes of of the world, and are they the are they also the the money holders, yeah, they control the money. Yeah, I think definitely at the start of the show, they they are the people without cooperation, Nerve couldn't function. Like I think that they're probably directing, you know, global money and effort into Nerve so it can do what it it can do. So that scene, and they're also, I mean, besides being the money holders, they're also kind of the holders of the future. They have the secret knowledge, you know, kind of the mysticism stuff that starts coming up in the show. Their agenda isn't just, you know, to fight off the angels. Their agenda, you know, is beep. Right. <laughs> Before we decide how much uh, spoilering we want to do. 
but but so they they have a lot at stake and so there's the scene in um in the previous episode episode two you have zayla all sitting around um in their little like multicolored squares they're talking about uh there's a couple there's a couple key things they mention that establish that there's a disinformation campaign um right right regarding this first uh skirmish with an angel uh there's one guy mentioned something about it's been 15 years Mm -hmm. since the last time we got attacked right which is a big clue there uh that 15 years ago the second impact happened and maybe wasn't a meteorite hitting earth yeah so they're putting out these breadcrumbs for the watcher to start kind of picking up on the world here so we thought that with this with this segment we would we'd take a look at that world and explore like okay what's the timeline and without really paying attention to spoilers for this because mm-hmm. it's not like the it's not the most urgent stuff to the plot but it's but it's really interesting and it doesn't really spoil anything to kind of talk about stuff that comes later right. what's the state of the world like how did it get how it is so uh as as you uh just uh describe what they're talking about this term the second impact this is kind of the the large fact of the evangelion universe is that 15 years ago a meteorite so they say hit the south pole and it was a devastating event it was that that classic like dinosaur extinction event right uh, and wiped out uh half the world's population mm-hmm. and they go into detail about you know just how how awful conditions were for the survivors uh, i i understand even just from from reading around a bit that there's there's some disagreements like within the content of the show itself like how many people died from what kind of different events right but it's it's like you know there was an initial you know like blast and then there were tsunamis and then there was famine and plague and and then there is a uh, a nuclear war mm-hmm. broke out between pakistan <laughs> you know and some other country so it's all just just this classic post-apocalypse you know kind of kind of thread occurs after after this event but then in this scene with zayla we get there are well they're talking about a disinformation campaign yeah if you sort of extrapolate from that the second impact probably had a whole disinformation campaign too. Yeah, exactly. At the time. Yeah. And that's what's published in some works that we see during the show. Mm -hmm. And in the upcoming episode, the third episode of the show where they're, they're in class and the uh, sensei is, you know, kind of giving this this boring history lesson, but it's not boring for the the listener who's listening closely because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's dropping those, those world building threads. So I don't remember in the third episode is the teacher talking about uh, history from the disinformation or because he's not mentioning. No, it's, it's the disinformation. Who's talking about like, oh, it was a meteorite strike. And then I don't remember. Are the students like bored, bored, bored out of their minds? It's are all they these... bored because they know the true story? Or because they've heard this disinformation. Well, I think it's just they're like 14. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They don't care. I remember. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Social studies in eighth grade or whatever. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so then, so that was that. 
And after the initial apocalypse, you would expect that you would then have the the standard post-apocalyptic science fiction landscape where, you know, few survivors, everybody fighting over the scraps and things are getting worse. In the Evangelion universe, it's actually a resurgence of mankind. They actually thrive. They recover after the initial hell of Second Impact. And it's stated during the show that uh, they come back more or less to as strong as ever. I mean, they probably haven't recovered population-wise. Right. But, you know, I mean, really, you know, ecologically and economically, it probably helps to have not yeah. as many people. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> and then, and then uh, they, and they did it like pretty fast. Yeah, within 15, 15 years. years. So it's, it's that kind of, um, that worship of technology and like human endeavor that the show has in kind of its, its engineering sequences <laughs> and its military sequences of like, look how cool this base is. Look how cool these tanks are. Right. It's like, yeah, humans can create fantastic wonders. It's kind of a Japanese kind of uh, yeah. paradise. I was going to say, I remember um, it might have been after Fukushima in Japan, but I, I don't remember exactly what it was. But I, I remember seeing a story where a road was like wiped out in Japan. It was on the Internet that someone had pictures of this road had been completely washed away. Mm. And then within like seven days... Japan had come and and repaired this road. The tone of the post of whoever shared this, and I'm I'm years away from when (laughs) this was shared, so I only vaguely remember it. But um, the tone was, look at how quickly Japan could just jump in there and fix this stretch of road. Because anyone who lives in this country, or especially Seattle, uh, our roads are are crap here, (laughs) and it's like ongoing constantly. There's there's like construction going on for years at a time Mm -hmm. if you drive south uh, of seattle to this town called tacoma there's a stretch of freeway that i swear has been under construction since i was a little boy (laughs) (laughs) so in japan they were able to fix the stretch of road in like a week and uh and maybe that's just like a japanese culture or a government expectation or something but that's what's being played out here um with a 15-year recovery after a apocalyptic right like they 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 do it because they believe it (laughs) and it's just it's just uh yeah it's like the proof is in the pudding there it's phenomenal their recovery over 15 years but they are back to you know kind of back to status quo and i think probably an interesting thing about that is that the average person is probably a little shook up someone who was old enough to have survived that. And it comes up during the show a couple of times, like people who weren't born at a time, you know, cause our pilots are, are 14 years old. This happened 15 oh, right. years yeah. ago. Oh, that's a good point. Versus older, you know, folks who, who still remember the second impact and, you know, we'll discuss it briefly during the show, like their experiences during it. And so there's probably, you know, like a survivor's mentality. Well, that, that 15 year, number really really puts that 14 year old pilot in perspective too i I hadn't thought of it that way yeah these are like the you know yeah the uh maybe in terms of the internet like the millennials like these are the people who grew up yeah you know with in this children of the technological utopia (laughs) kind of 
but just okay okay so technological utopia is that what the world's like or is that just tokyo 3 in japan right oh that's a good point because we never really get to see outside of uh tokyo 3 and you hear some stories about america and germany but it's always like near facilities yeah which are you know being either run by gendo or at least have those kind of resources right where they huh. they're they're at like the the absolute pinnacle of <laughs> you know japanese uh, organization and technology i mean 15 years even if even if things are relatively stable like what about the third world <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know who's left that would be an interesting like side project or a spin-off of what else is going on in the world of evangelion but not in japan you know what what about in the outback <laughs> right <laughs> right like was australia did a tsunami just roll over australia yeah. is it complete is australia completely un- no in their mention of australia at one point as well oh interesting i can't remember oh boy i thought i thought i saw that but Maybe one of these Zele representatives is like the Australian representative. <laughs> it's the guy with the, the giant hat with the snake teeth on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that strong guy. accent. This is a knife. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> uh, for millennials, that was a crocodile. Then the reference. Uh, right. May, may or may not be worth your time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's another thing that comes up in this conversation uh, with the Zela guys. He says something about getting their money's worth. The, they're all like these. Uh, they're all hard-nosed businessmen. That's kind of how they're presented. Yeah. Ah, here we go. He says, it means all our previous investments were worthwhile. They, they're, you know, they're talking about how they just got to beat up on this alien or this angel. And the guy's like, "Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that we had spent all this money mm-hmm. on uh, developing this program. It, it looks like we're getting our money's worth." That remains to be seen. The the tough guy there. It is not useful if it's wasted money. Uh, watching live, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I can extrapolate his statement there a bit too. Like like I mentioned, there's they don't they don't really spell it out, but. You could uh, broaden his statement to be, yeah, we've we've known about this this coming you know this this coming devastation this, these these particular events. They don't say it in this meeting, but it's going to come up later. Was spoken about in the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Okay, uh, where it's like this this stuff was prophesized, and you could think like, okay, well they've been setting up for this to happen, like the 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 secret society you know were in their bunkers you know with the technology being developed with the infrastructure in place protected against the devastation so that they would be able to re-emerge rapidly perhaps afterwards. right okay now this is a <laughs> low tier of canonicity because right, i'm right. speaking right off the hip but right well I mean, and then the other guy does say you know, it it's, uh, remains to be seen if the money was well invested. Because so. they're giving Gendo, like, <laughs> they're, they're not letting them off the hook. And they're the, they're the kind of bosses who are like, even when it's like, hey, we got to win. And they're like, yeah, too, ma- too many expenses. Like, right. you really need to tighten this up. Uh, the other thing that's um, notable in these Zela scenes is we actually see all the Zela guys, but... As the, mm. as the show goes along, pretty soon they're just, they're like disembodied voices. They're not even coming here. 
and uh, speaking directly to Gendo. Right. I think that they, it's like that 1% kind of thing that was, was not a, was not a part of the culture when this was made the very powerful, the most powerful people, I think, protecting themselves and oh, hiding like, away. And like some... once things start getting hairy, yeah, they're not even going to show up. Right. Right. Okay. Like at the meeting. <laughs> and we eventually see, because the gloves are off for spoilers for this, <laughs> for this topic, we eventually see that this meeting isn't even taking place physically. It's, oh, right. It's all like a giant hologram room. Because they sort of disappear, and then you'll have just yeah. two guys left, uh, yeah. one guy left giving Gendo uh, some final little tidbits. Yeah, like yeah. it'll it'll vanish, and then turns out Fuyutsuki's like standing there, and he probably wasn't like able to hear anything going on or however they do it. Yeah, like these are the people who would never show their face in in public. Like they they're the you know the great the great shadows behind the world. I guess yeah. I guess Zayla is still kind of a mystery to me. I'm gonna have to pay closer attention as we go. That's kind of how it is pitched in the show. It's like they're they're the boring bits, but it's also the information that becomes vital to like motivating the action later on. Like oh why why are we doing this? The next step in the script. Uh, that they have for the world. There's a really interesting uh, focus on the costs. Uh-huh. Like they're 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 rubbing his nose and like having to rebuild the Evangelion, for uh-huh. instance. Like the damage to the Evangelion. Right. Oh, and then don't they even talk a little bit about the other the other unit that's also beat up now? Yeah. Um, uh, it's the... not in this one. In in future like in future meetings okay, they have. Because I started watching episode three again. Yeah. So maybe that's where I'm picking it up. And they they have these like boardroom talks like yeah, a lot, yeah. but they're always they're always picking on like at one point they're like. Yeah, why are they being piloted by your, like, your kid? Yeah, <laughs> calling him out on it. You put your son in this thing like it's yeah. a toy or something. Yeah, like, how much how much more money will your family waste? <laughs> right. They say it. They say it at one point. Because uh, it's fun to think about how much does it cost to repair the damage done during, like, even the simple fight we see in the second episode like every time one of these one of these robots moves it destroys like a city block yeah yeah. (laughs) it just like falls down and crushes tons of stuff or or they kick kick an angel and it slides a building like quarter mile right on the street yeah the devastation is intense the evangelion are not cheap like it's yeah it's it's implied uh well i think it is outright stated that they reroute funding from like large portions of like the global GDP, right. to, no, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> to just make repairs to an Evangelion after a fight, like whatever this you know expertise and like precision you know machining these things take to rebuild. And there, even during the fights, like uh, again coming up in a future episode where you've got to say ration electricity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to. Yeah. Uh, to support the Ava in a fight. Yeah, like they 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 uh yeah, steal the electricity of like all of Japan to fire a rifle. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> so. I mean, and it all sounds ridiculous, but it, it makes me think of like you know the old like oh one one stealth bomber costs you know blah 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 like right, insane yeah. amount of money to yeah. like to build or to run a sortie with it, and they are maintaining this you know 
sci-fi fortress city <laughs> yeah. uh, that, you know, I like when I think of like the, the state of the world, it's not like covered in cities like this. It's like this is a special fortress, the fortress of mankind, like built to withstand the angels. So I'm kind of thinking like probably, you know, the world has recovered, but it's not right. You know, everywhere has, you know, maybe maybe New York has some skyscrapers still standing or going back up and they're doing, you know, they're doing a good job going about business. But potentially a lot of the world is probably suffering due to <laughs> pouring so much like attention into this one city. Uh, we, we've talked before, too, about the uh, like, what is the mode of government? Right. You know, in the future, because like, we have this like, you know, the, the cabal, you know, uh -huh. kind of running things behind the scenes. But. Like, you know, did, did, does democracy win? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what, what enabled the world to recover so quickly? Like, usually it's not. It probably isn't <laughs> democracy. Yeah, usually. Um, it seems like, is it, yeah, is it socialism in a way? Or it's more like a, it's almost a dictatorship or. Yeah, did everyone come together and like, just like for the common good, you know, after their shared experience of almost being. Yeah, I uh, guess wiped out. I guess the answers to that are are in the in future episodes too, just in the way people are portrayed and the students themselves. And I mean, there's this there's this level of like fandom for the pilots of the Ava. Yeah, it's interesting. We only see inside of the nerve too, and their culture, and we keep saying like Japanese culture, like their kind of hyper Japanese culture of like productivity and. Sure. We're, we're, we're getting tired here, folks. So yeah. these, these rich topics are getting, <laughs> are getting glancing blows. I, know, I need another Mr. Brown coffee. Well, we are getting close to the end here, I'd say. Uh, what, what else we want to cover before we wrap things up? The question, because I promised it at the start of the topic, of like what kind of resonance does the setting perhaps have for the content of the show? I mean, besides plot-wise, obviously. Like the the ideas of you know kind of global devastation, <laughs> or um, at least you know suffering, of course, is a is a favorite topic of the show and of the <laughs> uh, you know what the what the creator was trying to and I, discuss. And I guess you're getting into duty a little bit, and that directly plays to Shinji and his kind of inability to make mm. decisions for himself or only do what he's been told to do. Um, well, he, yeah, he's got that that kind of like youth complacency dialed up you know right. dialed up all the way where like oh yeah your elders had to you know fight to survive and you can't like be bothered to go sit in this robot and in in that article it touches on that also like Hideki Anno himself was working on maybe it was on Robotech but he came up with this idea of not running away from his problems and and facing them mm. and then that whole that whole real realization was like the seed that that he based Evangelion on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to see we're going to see that repeatedly, and and like you said, like it's it's almost the thesis of the show. Once you know we get much farther into this project and uh -huh. spend some more time with all these guys. Well, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was, <laughs> was good. good. Insightful. Yeah. I, I I was reflecting on the proportion of time spent on our on our topic and the rest of <laughs> our material i don't know i don't know if it's a a good balance or or not well i think i mean i think the rest <laughs> of our material was probably got a better shot yeah than 
Um, I mean, if people are still listening at this point <laughs> in the podcast, I'm sure, I'm sure they've seen the Our arc of are energy. It. it seems to play out to a good round two hour or so number um, each time. I mean, that really is why the episodes end. Yeah. Is because we... We've depleted... Yeah, we're kind of just... We've talked as much as we care to. And I have... I mean, I have like a good two pages of notes here and probably only touched on about 30% of it. Mm -hmm. So like I said, we can hold it till we have more energy and and stick it into the next... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll keep. So maybe real briefly before we end here, the the next plug cast we're going to watch... Episode three, right? Um, do do we know offhand what is episode three about? Um, let's see. Uh, I have. I don't uh, have it quite memorized. I know that they introduce uh, Shinji's buddies. Yeah, a transfer. Um, is that the one where his friend ends up in the Evangelion? I don't think so. Is that further on? I think that's later on. I think if you go too deep, we're we're getting we're getting in there. Yeah, pretty quick. Um, but it but it it starts to introduce the you know daytime drama yeah <laughs> elements um, of the show. We get uh, and right now I'm not mem- remembering their names. Uh, Toji and it's an S. It's an S one I think. <laughs> or maybe I'm thinking of Shinji. <laughs> yeah, real real pros we're here. Poor state. We should uh, have have some things listed, but. Uh, maybe well, as, we, haven't, we haven't been introduced yet, you know. Yeah, it's not like we haven't seen those episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. easily a half dozen times. But um, but but there's there is a good perspective there of um, collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the new buddies that gets introduced has a sister who's been hospitalized. We hear about, mm-hmm. um, and then the other guy is sort of like in a otaku mm-hmm. uh, who's a big fan of the mecha. A uh, big fan of Shinji, you know, wants to hear so much about um, what it's like, and and is clearly jealous that he's not a pilot. So we get to we get introduced to these guys. Well, it's fascinating, you know, after talking this this bit about you know where where Hideki Anno came from, that he then that he made that character. So it's going to be great analyzing him from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as it, from uh, you mean as Anno being uh, the sort of resentful. Otaku, but also yeah. an otaku himself. It reminds me of Beavis and Butthead. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's this thing with Beavis and Butthead where Mike Judge, um, who was the was the the auteur of Beavis and Butthead, yeah. it's like he he has a uh, he has a fondness for the characters. Right, okay. Uh, but also in a lot of ways the show and especially the Beavis and Butthead movie. Yeah. Is a lot of host like a lot of like hostility toward them. It's, a, it's not like it's it's a loving tribute sometimes, but then most of it's just these idiots kind of getting theirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like he kind of hates this kind of person. Right. At least after a couple of years of doing the show, like maybe he started where like, oh, this is just funny frog baseball. Like look <laughs> at these idiots, but it's you know he's kind of laughing along with it. And yeah. In, in the back, the back, you know, seasons, it's just like. Beavis and Butthead up to hijinks and then getting their getting their just desserts for it. There's something lovable about them, and, and especially in uh, the context of anime, they're needed. Hence the fan service, the boobs and explosions. Right, which we'll we'll have plenty of coming up. <laughs> yeah, as yes. We, 
So if you like this stuff, <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan of boobs and explosions, uh, definitely. Right, right. You got to keep them separate to keep that like PG-13 rating. Oh, that's right? true. Yeah. Rules about that. <laughs> well, thank you all. Yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for uh, sticking around, uh, coming back. If you're a, a longtime listener, thank you for coming back. Um, we promise many more hours of <laughs> of uh, like high quality entertainment. Uh, I have many more hours of us stumbling around terminology. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> I think we'll we'll start recording earlier when we can. Yeah, this, I think. I mean, this was born, it's, the arc of this podcast is interesting because we started talking about, we started out like with such energy and talking about how, how educated we had become. We're, <laughs> like I mentioned, we were a little proud of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, yeah. How, how we've fallen. At about an hour and 40 minutes, <laughs> you find that you just can't continue. Uh, right. At this time of night. It's at this 11 time of 30, night. so. It's time to put in a movie. We're going to watch Mandy. Let's watch Mandy. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. And uh, maybe we can chat a little bit about that next week, next episode. And uh, yeah, so maybe now we sign off. This is Steve Ayers. Uh, Michael Ayers. Uh, This is Neon Podcast Evangelion wrapping up another successful episode. We'll see you next time.